Our reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, and verses 16 to 26. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. This is God's word. Have you noticed how once you train your eyes to see something, you can then readily spot whatever it is? Steve and I often walk around Lake Parramatta and we love all things reptiles, especially water dragons. This one posed for us a few weeks ago. Now I know this is going to make us sound really nerdy and, you know, let's face it, we probably are. But each time we walk around the lake, we count the number of water dragons that we see, trying to beat last time's number. And you know what? We have become really good at spotting them. They might be hiding in and among things or be really far away, but we readily pick that distinctive pose. Our eyes have been trained to see them as we walk. And it happens, doesn't it? Our eyes get trained to see things, whether it's a particular car or a type of plant or a fashion trend. Once we've given something our attention, we then start observing it around us. Today, we're continuing our series on praying the big prayers. And part of praying big is training our eyes to see spiritual needs and opportunities around us. That's what happened in the story that Doug just read for us. Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi for just a few days. And to make the most of the time, it seems like they've done a bit of research to find out where 
they will find people of peace that they might share with. And they discover that people who believe in God but who don't yet know Jesus gather down by the river to pray. So that's where Paul and Silas go. Now, just prior to this story that Doug read, we learn that a businesswoman called Lydia had been down at the river. She had heard Paul and Silas talking about Jesus. She came to faith and then a whole bunch of her family and staff also come to faith and they all get baptized. I mean, can you imagine how exciting that would have been if you were Paul? I mean, just to put it in our context, imagine you meet a complete stranger on the train you get an opportunity to share your faith in, in Jesus. They make a commitment to him then and there. You exchange details. A couple of days later, they text you to say, 20 of my family and, and employees have now also decided to follow Jesus. Would you mind baptizing us this coming Sunday? I mean, how awesome would that be? I share that backstory Because I reckon that Paul would have been feeling pretty encouraged by the whole Lydia experience when this irritating incident with the girl arose. Day after day, this girl was trailing behind Paul, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And it sounds like great advertising, but shouting it over and over was actually driving Paul nuts. Have you ever had a house or a car alarm go off and and it just went on and on? I remember we had a car alarm go off near our house once and six hours later we were pulling out our hair. Would someone shut the stupid thing up? You know, that's where Paul is at. I love the way that the Bible puts things sometimes. The original Greek here says that Paul is strongly irked. But here's the thing about training our eyes to see. Paul could have simply seen the shouty girl as a pain in the neck, someone to avoid or get rid of. But instead, he sees her spiritual need. This girl only knew Paul and Silas's identity because it had been revealed to her by an evil spirit. The passage tells us that demons had given her the ability to tell the future. And so although Paul is strongly irked, he sees beyond himself to see her spiritual need. Here is a young girl that is bound and oppressed by evil, a person needing freedom. And so he takes authority in the name of Jesus and he commands her freedom. And in that moment, the demons left her. As we pray big prayers, part of it is to train our eyes to see spiritual needs. There is a spiritual realm at work in our world. We see it really clearly in Jesus' ministry. Not all sickness is caused by the evil one, but there are certainly times when Jesus encountered someone who was sick or someone who was mentally unwell, and he was able to spot actually the source of the problem is the work of demons. And he takes authority over evil, and the person is restored. Just want to say again, I don't believe that all sickness is caused by Satan. But I have discovered there are times when it is. 
times when our prayer that takes authority over evil in Jesus' name can bring restoration. I remember a number of years ago tentatively discovering how real this is. My friend Peter had been experiencing serious chest pain on and off over a period of time. A number of times he had been taken to hospital by ambulance. And Peter lives in a rural area. And so calling an ambulance is a big deal. The nearest equipped hospital is more than two hours away. But even at the hospital, the medical team still couldn't pinpoint the cause of Peter's pain. Now, as Peter's friend, the longer that this went on, it seemed to me that Peter's fear was growing and Peter came to believe that he was going to die and he was sliding into depression. And my growing conviction was that whatever was going on physically and even emotionally for Peter, that there also seemed to be a spiritual dynamic to it. It was just a something felt like that in my spirit. I need to also mention that Peter and his wife are not Christians yet. Well, the next time Steve and I went to visit Peter, I just felt that somehow I needed to have this conversation about what I was sensing and that Peter needed prayer. And I had no idea how to raise a conversation like that. And quite frankly, at that point, I didn't have very much confidence in my own ability to take authority over evil and and to do anything about the spiritual oppression that I was sensing. And besides, I had no idea how Peter and his wife would even react to such a suggestion. And so we were a few hours into the visit when I found myself in the kitchen with Peter's wife. And she raised something about Peter's health. And I just knew the Holy Spirit was poking me to speak. With my heart pounding, I tentatively said, you know, I've been feeling that there's something more going on for Peter. And to my surprise, she said, so have I. So I gathered my courage and I pressed on. I I said, I've been feeling that maybe this isn't just physical, that maybe there's a spiritual dynamic going on here. And again, to my surprise, Peter's wife said, so have I. And I was just about to open my mouth and talk about prayer and their phone rang. There was a local emergency and um, Peter and his wife are involved in emergency services. This is a rural area. So when that happens, you all get involved So that was the end of the conversation. So as Steve and I were driving home from Peter's, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to move forward in this? Am I meant to get the prayer team from church to go and pray with Peter? Like how on earth would that work? He's four hours out of Sydney. And how weird would that be? they, They don't walk with Jesus. God, what am I meant to do? And at that point, Steve put a CD into our CD player in the car. I did say it was a few years back. And we started listening to a Willow Creek sermon. And this was so random. The sermon was about Peter miraculously being released from prison as the church were earnestly praying in Acts 12. And I clearly remember the spirit grabbing hold of just one sentence in that sermon. And it was just pray for Peter to be released. And the sense that I had was that prayer didn't need to happen in a special way. 
I could just take authority in Jesus' name, even from afar, and pray for Peter to be released from that which had taken hold of him spiritually. I will never forget the phone call a few weeks later from Peter's wife, who excitedly said, you won't believe what has happened. He's a different person. And without thinking, I just said, oh, I prayed for his release. And she said, thank you. God has answered your prayer. He's back to his old self again. His daughter still talks about the before and after of Peter's turnaround at that time. And you know what? His chest pain didn't go away, but the grip that fear and death had taken hold of him in, that was broken. Through that experience, I realized just how real spiritual oppression is. But I also discovered just how real our spiritual authority in Christ also is. When we respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting to take authority over evil, no matter how tentative or inadequate we might feel, Jesus meets us with his power and he is the one who breaks strongholds. Remember Jesus' words in Luke 4? He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed. Jesus' agenda is for spiritual freedom. And so as we pray big prayers, ask God to train your eyes to see where evil might be at work might be in different circumstances that you're in or it might be particular people that are being oppressed. And just join with Jesus to release the oppressed through prayer. Why don't we pause at this point and just invite you to share just your response to what I've said so far. For some of you, you might be able to share an experience that you've had around this. Well, for some, there might be a situation um, that you're aware of right now where you just have this growing sense that maybe you do need to take authority over spiritual oppression in whatever is going on there where you sense evil is at work. And so if you're with others, just pause and share or you might ask them to pray for your situation. Let's go back to our story in Acts 16. I want to come back to that point that we pray in response to what our eyes are trained to see. Paul doesn't just see an annoying girl. He sees someone who needs spiritual freedom. And so he frees her in the name of Jesus. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing for her. But for the people who own her and have made money out of her clairvoyant power, they're cranky because their income has dried up. And so they have Paul and Silas arrested and they're charged with promoting non-Roman customs. Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten without trial, publicly so, and they're put in prison in what was essentially maximum security. They're put into an inner cell with stocks binding them by their feet with a jailer commanded to guard them carefully. Can we just do a quick audit for how Paul and Silas might have been feeling at this point? 
I mean, they actually haven't done anything wrong. This was an unjust and heavy-handed response. Plus, they've been humiliated, I mean, publicly stripped and severely beaten. I mean, they would have been in extreme pain with bruises and wounds that are raw from the flogging and they're sitting or lying on a hard cell floor with their feet in stocks, unable to move and just, you know, as you're stuck in that one position, it's putting more pressure on parts of your body that are already sore. I reckon that if I were them at this point, my eyes would have been on the injustice of the situation and the pain that I was in. But do you remember what Paul and Silas were actually doing? The passage says it was around midnight. No doubt they're too uncomfortable to sleep. And these guys were praying and singing hymns to God. When everything about their circumstance would have them instinctively focus on themselves, instead they make a choice to lift their eyes to God. As they sing worship songs, they are declaring who God is. They're recentering themselves in Jesus. But they're also singing these truths about Jesus over their fellow inmates and, and the jailer as well. Did they pray to be released from jail? Did they pray for God's saving work for those who are in prison with them? We actually don't know. The passage doesn't speak of that. But what it does say is that they lift up the name of God by worshipping and praying to him. This is such a good reminder as we pray big prayers. To, It's not just about bringing needs to God. And this passage also reminds us to worship. Because worship declares who God is and it ushers in the presence and power of God into our situations. As Paul and Silas worshipped, there was a violent earthquake that threw open the prison doors, making freedom possible. The irony of this story is that it's not the prisoners who find freedom, but rather the prison guard. You see, the guard is under such oppressive orders from the Roman authorities that for an inmate to escape under his watch would result in his own execution. And so when he awakes to find the prison doors open, he decides he may as well beat the authorities to it and take his own life. But once again, I just love that Paul's eyes have been trained to see spiritual opportunities. You know, when everyone else would have seen physical freedom for themselves, Paul sees spiritual freedom for the other. He shares the good news of Jesus Christ with the jailer and the jailer together with his whole household turned to Christ and are baptized. And how awesome is that? PBC family, I have been praying that we would be profoundly encouraged by this story from scripture, not just by how God worked back then, but laying hold of the truth that our God has not changed. His agenda continues to be for the freedom and deliverance of people. And he places us in and among spiritual needs and opportunities all the time. We just need to train our eyes to recognize them, to pay attention to when the Holy Spirit is quickening us to pray in a certain way or at a particular time. Church, keep praying big prayers. Keep uniting in prayer on Tuesdays and any other time the Holy Spirit prompts you. 
And don't forget that you have authority in Jesus over that which the evil one has claimed as his own. As I was preparing for this message, I really sensed that the Lord would have me read these words from Isaiah 45 over you. Sense that these, this is what God wants to speak over us right now. Isaiah 45, 2 to 3. It's, God says, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. The Lord is going before us as we pray. He is the one who will bring freedom and reclaim that which Satan has taken as his own. Ask the Lord to train your eyes to see the spiritual needs that are around you and pray with the authority that you have been given in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I want to thank you that this isn't just about muscling up over evil, but this is from your heart of compassion for people and for our world. That you don't want people to live in bondage and oppression. And Jesus, I thank you that you have done everything possible for that freedom. And so I want to pray, Lord God, as your hands and feet, as your voice As those who pray right here, right now, God, I want to pray that we would step into the authority that you have given us as your disciples. Jesus, that we would bring freedom to those who are oppressed. God, I pray, train our eyes, even this week as we pray, train our eyes to see the spiritual needs and opportunities that we will brush up against each day. Amen.